Welcome to Gaia Rising, an exploration of human healing and evolution through storytelling. Welcome everybody to Gaia Rising podcast. I'm joined today by a powerful teacher of mine, a powerful friend, a sister, a mother, uh, uh, just one of my greatest guides and uh, helpers and lights on this path, uh, Anahata Ananda. <laughs> Thank you so much, Anahata, for being here with me today. We're here in Sedona, and your baby, Shine, mm-hmm. which has been a portal for me of transformation. Um, and it's been your life's work, really. Um, and it's uh, just such an honor to be here. So thank you so much for entering this container with me. So glad to have you back. You know, you did your training here at Shine in Sedona, and it's so powerful to watch the transformations that are happening in this space um, from the seeds that have been planted for decades that are you know, people awakening, people healing, people stepping into their truth, their power, their passion, stepping out of addiction and contraction. Uh, it's really exciting and soul nourishing to be in this way of being and in this service and in this process and on this path. And so grateful that our paths have crossed and that as soon as our paths crossed, it was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think we both knew, yeah. okay, there's, there's going to be a kindredship and um, a mutually supportive connection here. Mm-hmm. So it's been beautiful to be in this space, literally in front of these golden wings, watching your healing gifts and divine intelligence be amplified and listening and watching your inner critic and fear try to run the race where I'm like, well, that's clever. Let's get off the track. (laughs) I'm like, that's cute, Ben. Now let's get back to the real path and let's get the little mouse off the, the, you know, a little hamster off the wheel of doubt or unworthiness or, well, what ifs and the mind trying to make sense of, you know, non-linear things. And watching you bypass that and inviting you, calling you out of bypassing that and watching the magic that happens when you do that. And I'm, I'm excited to see um, and hear where this is taking you and the impact that you are you know, having as well. Thank you so much. Yeah, <laughs> everything you said is so true. You know, I did your shamangelic healing, your breathwork training and one-on-one healing modality training last February and just 10 out of 10, 20,000 out of 10 would recommend to anybody. If they're interested, be sure to check that out because that's that's what you're referring to. I mean, we met back at the summit uh, at Aubrey's Ranch and the moment I remember our eyes made contact as you were referring to, we we both felt this mutual connection. It was like, whoa, my teacher, hello. And then, you know, after that summit, you know, having that one-on-one healing with you and then that leading into, you know, you becoming my mentor through Mm -hmm. this training, you know, this last uh, winter, which was so transformative. I was stuck in so many cycles of doubt and 
and uh, just yeah, that self-critic. Um, so I mean, that that container for me was. I mean, I thought it would just be breath work originally, <laughs> and then I got into it. Ooh, it was like my edges, and you were just the way that I describe it to people who've asked me is like, I feel like you just push all of us in the group. It was a small group, I think it was you know six or eight people, uh-huh. um, mm-hmm. and you just pushed us all through the ceiling, you know, and just like showed us, you know, what was pop, what we had inside of us that we could unlock. And once there's a hole in that ceiling, it's like, well, the only way is up, you know? That's my job as a facilitator of facilitators, a practitioner of practitioners, is to identify and call out those roadblocks Mm -hmm. and make them, move them from the unknown to the known place so that they can be seen, Mm -hmm. witnessed, talked about, challenged, faced and overcome, mm-hmm. it's not just learning the modalities, it's shifting a mindset. It is also um, getting out of your own way. It's also filling up your medicine bag with so many new ideas and perspectives and healing modalities and tools, uh, and then connecting to divine source and your own soul intuition You that mm-hmm. it's it just clearing the way for that to come through. And that's that's really exciting to watch that transformation. And that's why it's not a two-day training because we go so deep. It's four, 14 full days of unpacking, rebuilding, challenging, practicing, falling, flying, and um, overcoming and watching that transformation happening and absolutely, yes, pushing the limits um, and knowing exact, knowing when I can do that and how Sometimes with humor, sometimes with honesty, sometimes with power, sometimes with tenderness. And that's um, really fun to alchemize that so that the transformation can happen for each of you. So I, I love teaching um, because it's, it's so much fun yeah. to watch it and, and to be a part of it. Yeah, you're a natural born teacher. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and that expansion and that contraction, you know, like within these, those containers, you know, that, that you were guiding us through. It's like giving birth, you know, expansion, contraction, you know, and trying to to have that range that you were teaching us, you know. But first, us going through that, you know, through that process of being like, that's what I felt like the container was in the beginning. The first half was all just our stuff, you know, and like what blockages are there before we start any training, you know, like we got to be you know, clear as a channel, like we got to be clean, you know, ready as an instrument. Um, and so I really appreciated, you know, yeah, exactly that, you know, using the humor or maybe, a, you know, a little more of the masculine, the feminine, the, the softness or the firmness, um, that dance and, and witnessing even that and receiving that from you was just a really powerful experience, you know. So uh, I love that you carry that medicine. You have a huge medicine bag. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. been well, not just 22 years of collecting those tools because life for all of us has been a great classroom and a great teacher. All of the mm-hmm. chaos, the pain, the breakups, the, mm-hmm. you know, the natural gifts, our passions where we tend to um, accelerate at and know that, wow, there's clues in all of this and there's value in the blueprint of 
what our life has also been teaching us to prepare us for whatever is next on our soul path, whether you're called to be a healer, a writer, a teacher, whatever it is, a, a business owner, um, you know, a parent, whatever you are called to do, knowing and trusting that you've already been training for this. And in your greatest pain is the greatest gifts for sure. And we were unpacking a lot of that in those, in those first, you know, like five days of like, let's look at the deeper samskaras, the wounds, and let's, whether it's religious oppression, whether it is physical or sexual abuse, whether there's addiction, whether there is unworthiness, eating disorders, all kinds of things where all of us have these different challenges that we're working through. And the more we can unpack that together, it also provides the gift of seeing a bigger perspective. And this is one of the things that has been an unexpected benefit of doing this work for 22 years is that I get to witness and participate in somebody's story, someone's classroom, someone's pain, someone's passion. Um, and I get to see cancer, addiction, divorce, betrayal, like the sources, the patterns, and the, the commonality, and how this thing often leads to this thing. And I've heard this before, and so it's highly likely that this might also be happening again. And getting to see, and that's one of the things that I get excited about. You know, some people get excited about numbers. Some people get excited about architecture, whatever it is. I really get excited about seeing these patterns of personal development and unpacking that to, because it's fascinating for me to see what is the core root of addiction. You know, what is, what is the core wound behind unworthiness? And if you know what the core wound is, then you can travel it back and start to rebuild again. And so that, to me, instead of just, hey, let's shake a rattle and put some Palo Santo and put on a playlist and, you know, just transform. And for me, it's much deeper to be able to create a safe space and to hear the deeper layers of someone's pain body and where that tracks to in the core wound so that we can actually have really deep transformation. And if you're understanding your own, not that they're solved in one training, you know, not that they're solved, but there's a greater awareness of that, then you can also be tracking yourself in the process. And knowing what you know about your own wounds helps you create relatability and authenticity uh, in supporting somebody else's journey. And being able to hear and witness even something you haven't experienced, but to understand what not feeling loved looks like, whether that's through heartbreak or whether it was a father rejecting you or whether that was somebody bullying you, depending on the lens or the way in which that occurred, it helps create a compassion and a relatability to understand the core wound of not feeling loved. Because mm -hmm. we've all felt that in some way. Yeah. And yeah. to understand, oh, this is a different way of experiencing that. Whether it, you know, a coach saying you're not good enough, like there's so many different ways where I've seen the 
the scar or the distortion come into someone's essence. And it's like, well, if it came in, it can be removed and overwritten, overrided, and realigned. And from that place, it's a great jumping off point to authentic power and personal path. Yeah, 100%. And I love how you talk about, I mean, the, it seems like the level of ability to have that presence, that feeling that the deeper we go in intimacy with our own shadows, with our own pain, with our own trauma, the deeper our capacity is to feel it not just in ourselves, but in everyone and everything around us, right? And that's becomes the healing instrument. That's what we're really tuning. Mm -hmm. It's the drum, the rattle, the playlist, the whatever, whatever modality. It's completely an extension and secondary to being the instrument, which is presence and unconditional love and really deeply getting with that. And that, to me, is what we're honing in the training and in life is, oh, I'm the instrument. I'm the instrument. And I think that that's, that's the magic and the medicine. It's not the instrument that you're holding in your hand. That's an extension of this. And if this isn't tuned, the rattle's just a rattle. It's not a transformational agent helping somebody release. And that's where um, we have so much fun in the shamangelic aspect of this because we're going to go into the shadow. It's not just rainbows and unicorns. <laughs> we're missing the opportunity to address the, the trauma and the wound and shift that so that the transformation or the healing that is happening is more sustainable. And it's not just a peak heightened experience, a ceremony, a session that is fleeting and not integrated or creating lasting change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, tuning that, that heart, you know, that's, that's the gold right there, you know. <laughs> you were saying, you know, so you've been in this 22 years, you said, right? Oh, yeah, at, at least that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wanted to, well, I wanted to back up a little bit and just ask, how just a little bit of your background just for anyone listening that hasn't heard about you before so a little bit of just some snippets of i want to ask what is your what was your first experience encountering the divine or making a connection with that heart instrument i think i always as a kid felt something mm -hmm. but i didn't know what to name it but i felt mm -hmm. something and my dad was an atheist although he used the we heard God a lot. He was Catholic atheist, right? <laughs> Just like straight up atheist. <laughs> straight up atheist. Like I don't believe in well, any I of that. You had some Catholic. That's blood. my You're mom. Okay. That's my mom's parents were uh, Catholic. So I'm hearing, thank the Lord and prayer and a lot of biblical references from my grandparents. And then when I was raised with my, you know, my mom and dad, my dad. Like, God damn it. You know, so, so a lot of like God, but in a different way. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ, exactly. <laughs> like, I, I, and so, you know, n neither felt right and neither felt at home. I tried different things and explored different things, but I knew there was something, but I didn't know what. And it wasn't safe to go explore different things because mm -hmm. my dad didn't believe in any of that. Mm -hmm. um, and so... I just kind of went untethered for quite a long time, which was a, a very part of my own dark night of the soul around 12 of like, I don't think any of the adults have it dialed here. And I don't feel like this is, 
there's lying, there's drug dealing, there's, there's financial chaos, there's anger, there's addiction, there's a lot of, lot of chaos in my, in my childhood. And, um, and so I'm like, I don't trust any of this. So I kind of went solo trying to, to figure it out. And I remember secretly going to, to, to church camp you know, <laughs> well, really, it was just a way to get out of the house. Yeah. And this was at Catalina Island. I was raised in Southern California, and I could get away. And I didn't know it was church camp. It was like uh, the YMCA. And if you sold enough peanuts, you could go for free. I'm like, I'm getting out of here. I'm going for free. I went. And one of the things at church camp, I thought it was strange. Father Abraham and Jesus. I'm like, I don't know who they're talking about, but this certainly is fun. But one of the things that was instilled at that point was values and ethics. And that around religion and spirituality, I was like, there is something here to being a good person and treating other people with kindness. And um, there were some values that I wasn't getting as an anchor point anywhere else. And I'm like, there's some things here that really make sense to me. Mm-hmm. And then I started you know, reading and exploring, and it says... You know, I understood the commandments. I'm like, okay, kind of, thou shalt not kill. All right. Then I read this line that says, we are praying for a successful slaughter in thy name, O Lord. And I was like, um, I think there's a typo here. (laughs) Because I think you're not supposed to kill. And so in that moment, my soul, my solar plexus was go, there's a contradiction here. Mm -hmm. There is a lie here. Thou shalt not kill, but now we're killing in your name. I'm like, something does not connect. So I had a really high integrity and truth meter where I could just like bullshit or like I'm out. Mm -hmm. And so I realized that I want to be open to different things in life, different belief systems, different cultures, different traditions, different spiritual beliefs, and always hold a personal discernment meter if something doesn't feel right. I don't have to take it all or throw it all out. And so at 12, I started to learn that not everything is 100% yes for me. doesn't mean it's not the right fit for somebody else. But I gave myself personal authority to be open and explore things, but also discerning with does this feel right and does it feel like truth? And so I did a lot of filtering and exploring not only in my early teens, but into my 20s. And then because a lot of the core wounds from childhood and different experiences never got processed, because you know most of us don't know how to process trauma or how to talk about it or how to ask for help. We certainly don't have the emotional maturity or the, or the um, words, the language to heal it or address it or solve it or forgive it. And so all of that over the years just got stuffed and stuffed and stuffed and just created a lot of bitterness and anger, which I doused with um, hella alcohol. Mm -hmm. And it was also a way for me to relieve stress and anxiety because I was just like, I'll pay, you know, paying my way through college and supporting myself. Um, and so I used alcohol to numb emotional pain. And it took me a long time to figure that out. And a lot of stupid shit. <laughs> a lot of stupid shit. Fun, stupid fun, shit. Fun, fun, <laughs> fun. What I remember. Uh, 
And so I think that those were, yeah, fun years. Um, they weren't embodied years. Mm -hmm. And I was playing in the shallow end of my potential and my truth. And I think what happens with addictions and with, um, with going numb for a while in different ways, whether hiding, blaming in codependent relationships or in, in sedating with substances or, or sex or, um, or work, whatever it is, that we're just buying some time. And until the point where, and I, I, just a crutch, which we all sometimes lean on at different times. Well, if, if I'm not safe to speak my truth, I'm just not going to speak. And so sometimes that's the crutch. Um, or if there's anger and rage, I'm just not, not even knowing to identify it. I'm just going to numb it. This feels better, not knowing what's happening. And it's just the unconscious crutches that are created in life. Mm -hmm. And I've watched this happen in so many different Clients, oh, there began the crutch. Mm -hmm. I'm going to play small so they don't get jealous. I'm going to hide so I don't get hurt. I'm going to close my heart so they don't leave me. I'm going to build a wall up because then I protect myself. And there's all these coping strategies and coping mechanisms that we're all quite crafty with. And it's really quite resourceful. And I find it really fascinating to be like, well, that's a clever one. Um, lying, working, sex, you know, like I've got to always be in relationships so I never have to feel alone. I mean, there's a lot of um, unhealthy coping strategies that we use as a crutch for a period of time until that coping strategy, which is meant to be short-term, not long-term, becomes too painful to hold on to uh, and starts to erode physical health, mental health, um, financial health, relationship health, mm -hmm. where it's like now the, now the life's starting to get chaotic because the crutches are creating a vibrational match to the fact that they're not sustainable. Suffering. This suffering. And that's what happened to you? Oh, sure. With the alcohol? Is oh, that what sure. It yeah. To? I mean, alcohol was one of the, one of the things. Did and you hit rock bottom eventually with that? It or? wasn't so much that. I, it was like making that decision to choose marital liberation created a cascade of anger and rage, guilt, shame, and it sent me on my personal development path because I'm like, I will not pass anger and rage on to my kids. I cannot. I need to deal with this because I don't want to parent from this place. My dad parented from a wounded, angry place, and that didn't go well for me. And so for the first time in my life, I started seeking alternatives to talk therapy, which wasn't getting anywhere. For me personally, it wasn't the right avenue for me. Um, and so I started seeking out shamanism to clear out like the demons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that was so transformative. I dove into cleaning my body physically. I, you know, with, with detoxification, cleanses, green juices, fasting, I dove into meditation, yoga. And so that rock bottom in our marriage created, of course, as it always does, a catalyst of growth. And it moved very fast. I dove into shamanism. I dove into emotional clearing, um, meditation, transformation all simultaneously and in doing so and fasting all the other fasting <laughs> and medit and so what was happening 
all of the chakra energy centers were being cleared and aligned. The stability of the family unit was adjusting and I was readjusting finances and safety in my core relationships. And there was a lot of emotional clearing and sexual clearing. Um, so the second chakra, the third chakra around confidence and power and strength and integrity and honesty, that was clearing up my heart, self-love, self-respect, and learning how to love others and forgive others. The throat, uh, so much growth and transformation of saying, I no, and learning how to, through neuro-linguistic how how to speak more consciously and more more tools around conscious relationships and conscious communication, which I didn't have before. And then all of this meditation and cleansing and breath work, all of this was opening up the crown. So literally when I was going at my whole light body simultaneously, my healing gifts turned on really quickly. I could see, feel, hear, and know divine intuition. I could read people's energy body. Those were gifts that had been blocked physically, with toxins, emotionally, with energy that was trapped in the body. Um, and so as I was working at it from all different angles simultaneously, not even knowing that that was happening, it was like a butterfly going through a massive metamorphosis of like, you're not a caterpillar anymore. The crazy mush period where it's like, what the fuck's happening? Like, I don't, I don't need it. And the other side of like, <gasps> the awakening and the expansion and coming home to, this is who I've always been spiritually, this is who I've always been radiantly, and like just wanted green juice and raw foods and like diet cleaned up, and it just felt so much more at home in my own body, and I felt so much more impactful as a mother um, with my kids as well because that was really a big motivator to me is do the work, don't pass it on. Do the work, don't pass it on. And also with going through what I called a marital liberation rather than a divorce. I love that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm going, I renamed it. I was going to call it a marital liberation. This what was my story. This is it. And it's not this crazy, you know, process where the parents are at mm -hmm. each other's throats. It doesn't mean we always got along, but I was like, hey, we might choose not to be together as a couple, but we can't unchoose being co-parents. Mm -hmm. That ship has sailed. And yep. so I prioritized better tools so that we could communicate better and do our best to co-parent so that the kids always had, you know, the best mm -hmm. uh, us working together as a team to figure out what is the best and dealing with our issues or at least dealing with mine I can't deal with his and so I learned a lot more clear boundaries and and that I think was a huge catalyst for me and then sobriety happened pretty quickly after that because I could just couldn't numb anymore I just couldn't numb anymore like it just it just wasn't in alignment I felt so good and so alive that that contrast of trying to numb it was just like, this is ridiculous. This is, this is dulling my light, hurting my body, and it's disconnecting me from who I truly am. And so 20, I guess it is 23 years ago, now I just quit drinking. And it was one of the best decisions that I made. And the, that, both of that happened within the same, within six months.
of each other. I, I love your story because it's so, you know, a lot of, I think, our, our attention and fixation in our culture is about these, like, quick fixes, this, like, one moment, you know, that's everything changed, you know, and almost like the, those are the juicy stories. But actually the juiciest of stories, the real stuff, is, like, you did the work. You built the muscle to you went through the birthing process of rebirthing yourself you know, into this, from the caterpillar into the butterfly, and it was work, and it was a process, you know, it wasn't like you went and sat with Mama Aya, or like some, had some near-death experience, and you know, not that we should seek any of those things out, but like, you identified your marital liberation, you know, like that, that thing that for so many people could be the thing they fear the most doing, you know, that's right in front of them, that your, your heart was telling you was out of alignment, that cascaded, that opened the gate to this whole process that was 100% just your heart leading the way, clearing all of this, which then brought you into contact with your higher self, with God, with all these realms. And I love how you were talking about how, you know, for you quitting drinking was almost, it didn't take any effort because you had, it wasn't in alignment with this vibration you were in, with all this work you put in. That, and that really reminds me of one of my favorite teachers uh, is Don Alberto Taxo. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's a, a shaman from Ecuador, and he talks about this concept of, of changing habits like a, a glass of water that's half full, and we're trying to fill the glass of water. And he says, if we're trying to fill the glass of water, we don't try and scoop the air out of the glass. You know, we don't focus on the things, not doing the things that we don't want to do. Instead, we just fill the water with glass, you know, and as you were speaking, I was, that image came to me of just like you, you filled your water with all this glass, all these practices, all these self-love and inspiration, just pleasurable things that felt good. And like, what a powerful lesson, you know? It's, you know, it just, you add what feels good and it starts to shift your middle yeah. without effort. If you're doing more breath work, an example, you'll start to feel a certain level of clarity in your lungs where you don't want to put smoke in anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, when you start cleaning your liver and facing your emotions and doing the work, I, it didn't feel good to have alcohol in my body and it didn't feel good to be that disconnected. When you start connecting with the divine and having those conversations, it's harder to lie to yourself or make choices that don't feel in alignment with that voice now that is a lot louder and a lot clearer. You start testing, oh, can I ignore this? And it's like, I really can't. It hurts too much and it's right. <laughs> and it doesn't mean we don't like, ah, I don't want to, I don't, it's, it's scary or it's uncomfortable. And we're sitting in a space of shine in Sedona, that was a dream in my mind. And it doesn't mean there weren't that I wasn't boxing demons of like, well, how are you going to do this? This is a ridiculous time in the middle of COVID to start opening up a, a brick and mortar. What the hell? There was plenty of fear demons knocking on the door. And it's the same process with moving, shifting your vibration with a substance or a lifestyle habit instead of trying to quit the habit. It's just like, let me just add in walking. Let me just add in more water. Let me add in supplements. Let me add in meditation. Let me add in yoga. And it starts to shift automatically. And if I start doing these things, the people I hang around with start to shift because I'm doing outdoor adventures and hiking and 
I don't want to be hungover. I don't want to be at a bar until two in the morning because then I'm not, then I'm wasting my Sunday. I want to enjoy my, I want to be up early paddle boarding and I want to be doing those experiences. And it, it shifts, you know, dairy. I didn't want to do dairy in the middle of yoga and meditation. I was coughing and mucusy all the time and I was so embarrassed and it was so, it was impeding my yoga practice and it was disrupting everybody's class. And I was like, oh, that's because I had dairy yesterday. So dairy kind of just disappeared because I wanted clean lungs, clean nose and like a oh, higher vibration. And, and, and so that shift ha happens naturally and it's the same with a dream. Well, I'm just gonna take the next two steps. I'm just going to take the next two steps. It doesn't mean the fear, the doubt, the overwhelm disappears. You're just like, okay, I hear you. I hear you calling. I hear you knocking. Sometimes I open the door and have a conversation. Sometimes you win and I'm like, ah, you know, in stress mode for more than a minute. <laughs> and that's fine. And then it's like, and I'm still just going to take the next two steps. And we're mm -hmm. sitting in the manifestation of, step after step after step in the face of plenty of, of fear and plenty of uncertainty and challenges where I didn't know the way out mm -hmm. or I don't know how or I've never done this before. And it's like, okay, well, somebody has, let me ask for help. Mm -hmm. Somebody has, let me, let me tap on somebody that does this or let me try something and see what happens. Mm -hmm. And knowing that there will be mistakes, all guess wrong, and that's the divine masculine that is, okay, I'm gonna be humble enough to get back up and look back and learn from whatever just happened and try it again. Mm -hmm. And I'm still, to this day, in this process every day with, with Shine. You know, she's not even a year old yet, and I am so much on a beautiful, fun, um, soul-expanding, mind-blowing learning curve that keeps me um, growing still. And that's what feels good about it, is that she, she's my teacher. <laughs> yeah. and also another analogy I like, or metaphor, is like they're like weights, you know? And I can curse my weights. I could uh, like, you know, try to run from them, but they're not going anywhere. Like lifting the weights, embracing them, and feeling them, and doing that work, you know, is what builds the muscle, is what changes the neural pathway, the pattern in the brain into faith, into manifestation, which shine, you know, has become through that work, you know, so really just a huge shout out to you to see this space as like, a, it's an external manifestation of all the work that you've done in your heart, in your body, you know, and it's just a beautiful thing to witness. It, it's, it is a heart and soul mission for sure. And the, the mission here of Shine um, is to help people, uh, you know, with their journey of remembering, to inspire and support them coming home to their own radiance, inspiring them to shine again, which might be meeting them in a core wound or in a, a life rock bottom or depression or sadness or going through a marital liberation or a, a disease or a death. And sometimes it's meeting people at, at their low point to say, hey, we got you. We got you. We've all been in low points. We're not above anybody in any way because 
we're all going up and down. It's not like, oh, I've arrived. It's like, no, I'm just on the escalator too. <laughs> and you learn something and you make steps and then you come back and practice it. And so, um, you know, sometimes, it, it, you know, here at Shine, it might be meeting somebody at their pain point or it might be meeting somebody in, hey, I just want to learn clearer boundaries. I just want to learn about the, you know, personal development. When I was going through my awakening after my marital liberation, I was hungry caterpillar. I wanted the books. I wanted the personal development workshops. I wanted the New Year's five-day fasting, you know, work on yourself. I wanted the training, the programs, and I'd like dove in. And sometimes, you know, you might be met in that hungry pet caterpillar stage is like, I'm ready to make the shift. I want to learn how to do this. I want to be a better person. I want better communication. I want more tools for vitality and self-embodiment and confidence. And so it might be meeting somebody in that space. It might be meeting something, somebody in the space of, hey, let's just play. There's a dance party this weekend. Or let's relax and have stress relief with sound healing or a mind-body reset session or a shamanic journey to kind of release rage, anger, density. Or insights, where it's a reading that helps somebody with perspective or helps with their human design, or a card reading that helps give them perspective or astrology with their soul blueprint. Or like when we crossed paths, it's like, hey, I'm ready to turn around and serve now. So it might be supporting people in, I want to become a practitioner of some kind, because of course that's one of the things, and you know, one of the things we pride ourselves on is our different training um, offerings, whether that's sound healing training, Reiki training, or uh, shamangelic healing modalities and breathwork training, because we might meet somebody in there, hey, I've already been doing the core work. I've already been acquiring the tools. I'm ready to step in and start walking my soul mission and soul path and supporting that, whatever that looks like, going on to be an author, going on to be a leader, open up a nonprofit organization, whatever it is, we want to support people in stepping into their full radiant wings. And so Shine is here to support that journey of remembering. And Shine has been very clear. And I say Shine because it is, it's a whole separate soul entity. And having that crown open, I have clear communication from her a lot about what is a yes? What is a no? Sometimes I listen. <laughs> Sometimes I pretend not to hear. Sometimes I'm like, okay, I hear you and just let me have a moment with that. And sometimes I'm like, I don't know what to do next. Show me the way. Mm -hmm. um, and she's been very clear. Just be open to meet everybody where they are. Whether it's like, what is this place? Um, and just be in that heart resonance to make sure that everybody's welcome with whatever beliefs, whatever emotion, whatever challenges you're currently working with, that there's a safe space for you here. Mm -hmm. And so I'm still so much on this learning journey of how to serve her in serving as many people as we can reach out to as possible because it mm -hmm. feels like a soul... Uh, I'm in my soul legacy work right now. Mm -hmm. And how can, how can I, with a lot of other practitioners and facilitators, because that's the big game changer, is that it's not just me. There's so many other gifted and talented healers and teachers here that 
Um, I don't have to do it all. And that's, I think, really important when you're thinking about your legacy is how can I leave something that lives on after me in other people or in a facility or in a foundation or in a book that can continue to... And a podcast. Yeah, and a podcast. <laughs> yeah. I'd say and, and, and more than or. Yes, you know, yes, yes, exactly. That's all. right, all, all of those. Um, so that you become timeless mm -hmm. and your impact leaves something that's timeless. Mm -hmm. And so that's, I'm, I'm working on that in the, you know, on my journey right now. And so yeah. that's how to be replaceable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how to be replaceable and to not do it all, which also mm -hmm. allows me to exhale more and self-love more and have self-care more, which is something that I've been working on for a long time of how do I be of service and include myself in that? And I think that that's been one I've tripped over a lot. Oh, let me take care of everybody else at the expense of self. And so, you know, I'm still refining that process mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, that's your one of your big teachers. That's been oh. yeah, <laughs> one of so many, Ben. <laughs> one of so many. Well, I love that this place, yeah, like you said, it's such a community healing space, you know, like that that you have all these different practitioners coming here and, you know, using the space in different ways. And, yeah, you ha and you have, you know, these different kind of, to me, it feels like a, a chakra system. It feels like an <laughs> ecosystem or like a, you're the range, like you talked about, from play to like deep, heavy trauma release, you know. Um, it's just a really beautiful uh, creation and expression of you. Yeah, it's um, a fun place to be and also serve. And so many of my dear soul family, how they're stepping up is they're offering a product. And so it's also mm -hmm. a wonderful place for me to have a platform for conscious products mm -hmm. as well, handmade sage wands or medicine bags or shamanjelic hats um, or tinctures or card decks that are supporting somebody else's dharma and their sole mission to create a product that I would have never created. And it gets those products consciously procured and created products um, out to more people. So I feel really good about um, being that bridge between, you know, conscious commerce and dear soul family and supporting their mission and their work. Yeah. 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 It's good. I, I really wanted to shift for a moment to, you know, it's something that you mentioned a few times in this conversation, you know, talking about meeting people where they're at mm. and talking about patterns and patterns that you have witnessed in yourself, you know, that then you can bring as the healing tool. Um, in your 22 years in this work, I'd be curious to ask you, what patterns are you seeing that maybe are more novel or more new or emerging or particularly relevant that you feel like could be worth sharing to the collective? I think with the rise of social media, there is also a rise of personal insecurity and unworthiness, comparisonitis, um, keeping up with appearances since, you know, that, the, the, the competition of 
likes and being liked and a, a pr external approval. So I think that that has preyed upon the insecurities and the imbalances of the solar plexus of not being good enough um, um, and codependent dynamics of outsourcing self-worth to another person or comparing my success or my accomplishments to somebody else's podcast, their socials, their book, their mastermind. All, like, so I think with the, with the rise of social media, I'm noticing a lot more body augmentation, mm -hmm. a lot more um, I need to hook or outsource or sensationalism or inauthenticity to get that approval, love, um, attention. And so I've noticed that is on the rise for sure. Mm -hmm. And um, we're going to see that as this next generation of middle schoolers mm -hmm. has been shaped by that. It wasn't, you know, someone in their 50s, it's relatively new compared to somebody in their teens where they've known it their whole life. Yeah. So we're going to see even more um, of that unless there is uh, a shift and an interruption to say, hey, this isn't so excellent, the algorithms, the filters, mm -hmm. the comparisonitis. And so I think that that's important as you know, as a teacher, as a guide, as a coach, mm -hmm. to be speaking to that mm -hmm. and speaking to your own addiction to it and mm -hmm. our own at attachments to it yeah. and how invasive it can be in shifting the thought processes and the phone device being a very addictive way to distract and numb yeah. starting at as soon as you wake up. So I think the device itself is something relatively newer compared to those that, that wasn't here 20 years ago. And so the core wounds from somebody that is, you know, maybe in their 30s, 40s, or 50s is not related to the, te to the phone mm -hmm. and to social media. Mm -hmm. We're going to see in the next 10 to 20 years where the core wounds are coming from this in addition to rejection, abuse, like the other things plus. Mm -hmm. So um, as much as it is a tool to connect, it's also a weapon that is creating a lot of um, insecurity, inauthenticity, and, and self-doubt. Mm -hmm. um, and I've noticed, too, a flip trend, I'd say in the last year and a half, six of my colleagues, dear friends, have all had breast implants removed mm. and done it publicly on social media wow. saying, hey, when I got these in in my 20s, I thought, and this was before social media, yeah. I thought I needed to look this way and this made me feel beautiful, which was connected and preying on somebody's insecurity then. That was before all the socials. And so now those women, and I'm just saying that as an example, are realizing, wait, I'm having health issues now. I know who I am now in my 30s or 40s or 50s or whatever it is, or I don't want this external thing in my body anymore. And so they're going back to 
redo that and love their body in ways without their breasts being augmented. And so I'm also seeing a trend of people speaking about it mm -hmm. and talking about, hey, this is the insecurity I felt in my body and here's why I did this. And I also want to be in health with my body and this is yeah. going to help with the immune disorders that I'm having and the the digestion issues because I care about my health and my body, I'm realizing this is in the way, which means now I have to go back and heal my body issues from maybe a more mature place and a more aware place than perhaps in their, in their 20s. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So these two trends I'm seeing, a lot more addiction, but also a lot more authentic sharing and we don't have a filter on this right now. This is what I look like. This is my age. These are my wrinkles. Like, I don't wear a lot of makeup. This is it. And, uh, you know, um, I think as guides, we're going to need to really hone our own journey of address our own journey of, of self-love and acceptance. And as I age, that changes and there's more challenges with it. It's like, oh, how can I love myself now where my body doesn't do this thing? Or now it's sagging and dragging and bagging in different ways. <laughs> and how to be like, okay, this is it, you know, and embrace that instead of fight that. That doesn't mean we don't care about our bodies, but it's also about not trying to be something we're not. Mm -hmm. yeah. Whether that's at 13 or in our 30s, 40s, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 80s, whatever it is, is is a, like how can I just be authentically me? Yeah. With this nose, with this body, with this, you know, with with this quirky thing, uh -huh. and how can I embrace it instead of hide it or try to be something I'm not? And I, th I think the the one of the things when we look at nature, there's so much diversity. If we were all trying to be a rose, we wouldn't have beautiful forests. And if we were all trying to grow or, or look a certain way or be a certain way, we have these tall, beautiful pine trees and we have these really sweet cactuses that are prickly and they all have their purpose. And so I, I think it's going to be really valuable for us to lean into self-acceptance and authenticity and reclaiming personal power and that journey of self-love and self-acceptance because it's going to, as you age, that is going to continue to knock on your door. And mm -hmm. if there is resistance to it, then there's going to be more fighting that, which means, well, now do I have to get a butt tuck and, a, you know. What you resist persists. It goes back to what we were talking about. Here. Yeah. It's, it's a losing game to focus on the things that you don't want. Right. Right. And that yeah. and and recognizing that because of social media and so many filters mm -hmm. and so much inauthenticity, what we see and value as beautiful mm -hmm. is also a distortion. And so we get to be compassionate with ourselves and each other to be like what we have valued is something that's airbrushed. Mm -hmm. And that distortion, when we're when we're focusing on meeting that distortion where it's at, just like the the doubt and the fear knocking at the door, you know, like you know, minding them and showing them some love, but then being like, no, I'm setting my vibration over here, yeah. 
yeah, that's that seems to be the real power move, you know. And as you were sharing a lot of this too, like that getting to self-acceptance, something that has been with me or that's that feels really alive in me as you're sharing is something you taught me in this this training, you know, which uh, is just woven in really nicely, the seven stages of grief. Mm. Because, you know, like, it, like, first of all, having the awareness of like what we're experiencing, maybe we're in a loop. Yeah, we're in that hamster wheel loop of comparisonitis or whatever it is, or fear or doubt. And first it's shock, right? <laughs> and then it's denial. Denial. <laughs> uh, then it's anger. And then it's uh, bar- bargaining, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or I would also have like blaming or trying yeah. to yeah, find like, a, Let me try to some fix it. story yeah. that like covers it up. And then it's depression, you know, when you finally just like it overwhelm, you're just letting it be what it is. Um, and then coming out of that, it's what is the last acceptance? Two? Ex- yeah, okay, so acceptance. That's that's the final piece. I thought there was one more there, but um, when we accept it, like that, that's the moment of like death and resurrection and freedom know? and liberation. Yeah, because then we can just actually move forward without this construct, without this thing that's not us. That's what unbinds the wings. Yeah. And that's, you know, the, this, this roadmap of, of this wing mural, this golden wing mural that's levitating in the flower of life <laughs> you, yeah. with all the chakras in it, is like none of us can levitate if we're being held to the ground by the shackles of not enoughness of unworthiness and nobody loves me. And if the heart is not feeling self-love and self-acceptance and we're not honoring our own identity and celebrating our individuality instead of forcing conformity, then we are really allowing our light body to take flight. And we don't, it doesn't matter if you have a, a beautiful feminine intuition and you're sensitive and compassionate and all these feathers that create the feminine wing, the individual feathers of, of that intuition and presence and, and compassion and playfulness and creativity. And it's linked with a powerful masculine wing where we've been refining our courage and our confidence and our resilience and our devotion, our loyalty, our integrity, our discernment, um, our action, our humility, and that perseverance and the protectorship that is all of these individual feathers that is more the masculine. It doesn't matter if we have those wings fully developed if we're shackled to the ground. We cannot levitate, Mm -hmm. cannot levitate. And this is where we set ourselves free from that those shackles, and they're different for each of us, whether it's self-doubt or I'm self, uh, self-medicating or fear is shackling me or unworthiness is shackling me, whatever it is, that's part of the journey to remembering and liberation and freedom and finding your radiance is identifying what those shackles are for you. Well, these people will reject me, so I'm going to play small. Or I'm, or a, a, a wounded, painful heart that is still heavy. No way you can levitate with all these walls around your heart. Mm-hmm. And so, it, it's it's a roadmap for each individual to be looking at what's shackling me. 
what's keeping me from levitating. And part of that is one, one of those culprits is unworthiness, self-doubt, comparisonitis, I'm not enough, or I'm not, not loving self. Those are, those are lots of places. Or trauma, there's lots of different things that might hold us, limiting beliefs um, that may be holding us from our levitation. And then when we release those, then our wings got to be dialed in. And so some of us, not me, of course, have been using that masculine wing, overcompensating, pushing, forcing, you know, to the point of exhaustion where the feminine wing wasn't really involved. And so then the journey is, oh, can I, in, can I cultivate and refine these feminine feathers that really help with guidance and with self-compassion and patience and creativity and faith that you're going to need on your journey mm -hmm. of walking your soul path. There's no way you can be without that wing. And you also can't be without the masculine wing because you just won't get shit done. Yeah. There isn't enough structure. There isn't enough groundedness, honesty, and fire and resilience to stay at it um, and overcome the challenges that you need to have with the masculine and then mm -hmm you know, guided by the divine. And so I, when I look at this mural, um, it's a roadmap for me every day. Mm -hmm. And it's, and, and it's also serves as a roadmap for people that are coming in here, wherever they're met of like, oh, where am I at? And we're going to, for anyone listening, I'm going to take a photo of Anahata here with the wings <laughs> behind her. And we'll put this when we launch this episode with the, on the Instagram post. So you can check out the Gaia, Gaia Rising podcast Instagram and you'll be able to see this and her website, of course, Yes. Uh, which I was going to ask you, how do people get in touch with you? Yes. Um, well, shinesedona.com is where you can come and we're having more virtual things. So if you're not here in Sedona, uh, there are virtual sessions virtual consultations, and we're having more live stream events. So if you're wanting to attend a workshop or something like that, you can absolutely do that, shinesedona.com. Of course, if you are here, come visit our boutique, and you can call or email in advance to one of our Shine Angels at the Shine Desk and say, hey, this is when I'm coming, here's what I'm looking for, what do you recommend? And they'll help book you in with breathwork sessions or sound healing or a shamanic healing journey or card reading, whatever it is that might fit your needs uh, for your personal development journey. And of course, if you're interested in the training or working with me, just reach out. Um, we're having another training this summer mm -hmm. here, um, late July into August. Ooh. I work, you know, small group, yeah. super deep. <laughs> yeah. Small group, super deep. Highly recommend it. And that really provides an amplification and an acceleration if you are called to the healing arts, if you want to be of service as a coach, as a healer, as a guide, as a mentor, as a personal development um, through a healing practice or any kind. Mm -hmm. It's a great tool to help you amplify your offerings for sure, I think. So yeah, Beautiful. Shine Sedona is where we are on socials and I'm Anahata Ananda. You can find me on Instagram as well. Mm -hmm. And um, super excited to um, witness you, Ben, stepping into service in whole new ways. And I have seen you in action. And like, ah, <laughs> you know, tears, 
come to me because when I've seen you in that groove, there's so much grace and power and compassion and love that comes through you. Intuitively, you're able to weave right into those tender places, those beautiful places, those um, courageous places to move into another soul's internal landscape with such mindfulness and presence. It's absolutely beautiful to watch you at work. And I have seen it and witnessed the transformation that happens when you are in that space. And so if you get the opportunity to work with Ben and you feel a soul yes in your body, just do it because you're, you're in for a treat that will absolutely be transformative and beautiful. And so I'm just excited for people to be on the receiving end of you and the different things that are coming as you fill your medicine bag with tools. Thank you, Anahata. Yes. Thank you for those words. Very touching. It's all true. (laughs) It's all true. Take that testimonial (laughs) and use it because I don't don't say that if I don't mean it. And there's lots of people that are not embodied and not really present as much as I have seen you be. And that's, you know, it lights me up. And that's, you know, one of the blessings of doing this work, whether it's as a teacher to see people's transformation and then to get to see how many people they reach. And the people that have gone through the training, they've opened centers or they're in mobile healing or they're doing their own coaching or, um, empowerment work through retreats or book or podcast or whatever it is and to see that happen and how many people are impacted from that just lights me up it's the legacy i know it's It's great it's your legacy and then it'll pass to me and then i'll pass to the next yeah we just that's how we do it that's how we do it thank you so much for guiding me on hata too and and leading me and being my teacher my mentor in this because you've done huge things helping me unlock my my gifts and my offerings so um so beautiful um my pleasure i just wanted to end with a prayer with uh-huh. a, a the hopi elders speak that you shared in our training that i is just so dear to my heart um so i'll just read this real mm-hmm. quick feels fitting <laughs> there is a river flowing now very fast it is so great and swift that there are those who will be afraid they will try to hold on to the shore they will fear they are being torn apart and they will suffer greatly know that the river has its destination the elders say we must let go of the shore push off into the middle of the river Keep our eyes open, our heads above water. See who is there with you and celebrate. At this time in history, we are to take nothing personally, least of all ourselves. For the moment we do, our spiritual growth and journey comes to a halt. The time of the lone wolf is over. Gather yourselves. Banish the word struggle from your attitude and vocabulary. All that we do now must be done in a sacred manner and in celebration. 
Thank you so much, Anahata, <laughs> for coming on with me in this container. It's been such a blessing, such an honor. I love you so deeply. <laughs> <laughs> love you back, brother. It's wonderful. Um, thank you for having me, and thank you for just taking the steps to put yourself out there and launch a podcast. Who's done this before? You know, when you launch a podcast, it's not like you've ever done it before. So, you know, I remember when I first was starting with my podcast, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like half the time I didn't get the tech right. And, you know, just, and so embracing the learning and the growth and just putting yourself out there being vulnerable and honest. And it's, I'm sure so many people are going to benefit from you just being the truth talker and, you know, speaking from your heart and sharing your journey and sharing the journey and, and the wisdom of others is, is a wonderful gift. So thank you. Thank you, Anahata. And thank you everyone for tuning in today. Blessings to you. Yeah, let's go forth and shine. Thank <laughs> you.